This is Fundraising Radio, and today's guest speaker we have Ahmad Abdul Qadir, the co-founder and CTO of Voicea, that raised about $20 million and was recently acquired by Cisco. And this episode, we will mainly focus on the presence of technical people in the fundraising efforts of the company, and also we'll touch on to building a good technical team and find a technical co-founder early on. And of course, at the end, we'll wrap it up with a positive note of how Voicea was acquired by Cisco. So, Ahmad, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Voicea. Of course. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me, Constantine. It's, uh, it's really great. Thanks very much um, for giving me this opportunity. So, yeah, my name is Ahmad Abdul Qadir. Uh, I, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I characterize myself, I describe myself as a technologist. I'm a machine learning guy. Uh, I've been doing this for some time. Um, so, um, my career started at Microsoft after I, you know, started in Canada. Uh, moved to the U.S. in 1990s, late 1997, to work with Microsoft's handwriting uh, recognition group. Um, you know, uh, handwriting and speech were looked at as you know sort of the new frontier in user interfaces. Uh, Microsoft made big investments in handwriting. Um, we, I like to believe that we solved the on you know online handwriting recognition, meaning that you know if you write with a stylus, and this technology to this day is the one that that powers the Microsoft Surface. Um, um, at Microsoft, I also worked on other machine learning problems like speech recognition, uh, a little bit of computer vision, as well as online advertising, which was w- one of the coolest um, machine learning problems that you, you can work on. It intersects economics and, and, and computer science. Um, I also worked at Google for a while, worked on uh, the great uh, you know project of you know books you know book search, idea of scanning <clears throat> all the books in the world potentially and providing them as a repository for for web search uh, you know it was, it was really great experience we built ocr engines for um, many many languages i also was part of the initial team for street view that built the computer vision components for street view that led later on um, helped a lot with the effort of creating uh, google maps uh, i also worked at facebook uh, for um, between 2014 2017 um, on various problems, specifically uh, many of which are text understanding uh, uh, technologies, and um, some of which has been uh, open sourced, like uh, Deep Text. Um, and uh, later in 2017, I started uh, a company with uh, two other co-founders, Omar Tawakul and David Wiener, to build uh, uh, voice assistants for the enterprise. Um, uh, we started a little bit late in 2016, if not before that. Um, it was a great experience. I was the CTO of the company, uh, and the company, as you mentioned, got acquired later by Cisco around August uh, 2019. It was a great journey, which I think we'll touch upon uh, uh, now. We see, uh, uh, as I said, you know, of course, you know, we we had a certain vision that that sort of. Uh, got uh, evolved, you know, evolved during, during our journey. But our initial vision was that, um, you know, voice is, is one of the, uh, you know, maybe perhaps the only modality that has not been digitized or properly digitized mm-hmm. in the work, work workspace. And we wanted to sort of disrupt that. We felt that AI can add a lot of value. And my view has always been that enterprise, there's a lot of, you know, cleaner data in the enterprise. There's more sort of discipline, if you will, there. So if there's any chance that it can catch up, uh, it would be in the enterprise. Uh, and the, the kind of value that we can add potentially is, is much higher in the enterprise. At the same time, 
but voice interfaces were catching up. Alexa was getting very, very popular in the consumer space. Uh, of course, right. we realized very early on that uh, enterprises very, very different and the requirements and the, you know, uh, kind of accuracy required is very, very different in the enterprise than consumer. As we know that, you know, many of us use, you know, Google Home, Alexa, the kind of accuracy and expectation and even the user scenarios are very different. We use it to order music, you know, recipes and all of that. And kind of our expectations are very, very different. Um, as you can imagine, using voice assistants in the enterprise will be very different. You know, you know, how does it feel to talk to a machine in front of your boss? You know, uh, <laughs> it's like it can be really embarrassing. Uh, it's not a very natural, it can be looked at as, you know, rude during the meeting to talk to a machine and ignore the attendees. Um, so it, it just, it's a very different dynamic as we realized. And we paid a lot of attention to what our customers want. Um, it's very interesting. We we started with the premises that, hey, you know, you don't need transcription. Who needs transcription? Uh, we will we'll find, we'll find the important, uh, you know, moments in the meeting and share them with you. And for that, we will put our best effort using automatic speech recognition. But if you wanted to, we will do human transcription. Um, as long as we're clever in finding these moments, um, it, it, the cost will be totally manageable because they, they, they will amount to like five minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And boy, we're, we, you know, we were very wrong. Uh, people wanted transcription. <laughs> they kept, yeah, it's amazing. People kept asking us for transcriptions like, Okay, fine. We'll give you a transcription, but we'll convince you that you, you know this is not what you want. And nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> People still want the transcription. This is the first thing that they would ask you. So this is one of the big lessons we learned is that okay, listen to your customers and be be ready yeah. to yeah. E- even if you're going to evolve to this sort of a vision that you have, well, you know, start from you know our customer and maybe perhaps through your through your features, through your, <clears throat> you know, accuracy, perhaps drive them to uh, the sort of the world that you want. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I think we were, we, we did a very reasonable job listening to them um, and, you know, partners and many of the folks that we hired uh, early on were, you know, I, I give them credit for actually uh, uh, sort of taking us in this direction. This was pivotal in, in us, uh, um, you know, sort of succeeding. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, there are lots of, you know, a lot more details about Lucia, but, you know, perhaps we can, you know, drive them through your, through your questions if you like. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Uh, the story of Lucia is really interesting. But, so I want here to start with uh, actually mm-hmm. discussing how you got into Voicea. How mm-hmm. did the other co-founders managed to bring you in because you worked at Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and those guys are paying huge amounts of money to their developers. So how, how did they manage to, you know, what sort of incentive did they provide to you that you decided to leave that great salary and go to a startup? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. So, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a story behind that. So I've known one of the founders, the, 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 the Omar Tawakul, who's the first founder, if you will, uh, I'm the second, and David Wiener is is the third founder. I've known Omar for a long time. Omar started a uh, he's been in the online advertising space for a long time. Uh, he started a company that you know you may have heard of uh, called Blue Kai. Uh, and around 2005, 2006, um, you know one of the really you know early pioneers in uh, in sort of the you know kind of cookie marketplace and you know. 
uh, trying to convert you know cookie exchange into sort of a marketplace and do it on mass and 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 do kind of predictions about um, you know you know relationships between sort of ca- different categories of people. Um, it was quite successful. Uh, it lasted for a long time and then was eventually acquired by Oracle. Forgot the exact date, but probably around 2014, something like that. Uh, with, with, a, with a very good, uh, it was a very good exit for them. Uh, he actually offered me to join uh, or asked me to join them early on at, at Blue Kai. So, I've, and I've known him personally for a long time. You know, been you know friends for a long time. Uh, I didn't quite feel that he needed a, a sort of an AI or machine learning person at that time. He, he needed more of an infrastructure. Um, so we kind of, uh, you know, almost joined together, but said, ah, maybe that's not the opportunity. Let's let's look for another one. And by 2016, we were both like, you know, he had, you know, sort of paid his use in the Oracle, delivered technology, you know, started the whole data cloud. Uh, and I, as you mentioned, I've been in sort of a number of big companies and I felt it's like, hmm, I've learned a lot there. I think, I, you know, very happy. I've sold really set of cool problems. Uh, kind of known in the industry, uh, you know, uh, have a good name. Perhaps, you know, I should should try the startup thing. I've always wanted to, but I've always been attracted to a particular, you know, problem or the other. Perhaps it's time to do that. And I couldn't find a better partner than him. He's very experienced. He's a person I trust. And, uh, you know, very C- very few CEOs impressed me. He, he was one mm-hmm. of them. Um, and later on, when we, uh, you know, asked, yeah, that's we, great. I was asking for was, your recommendation on earlier stage founders so, who don't have such an impressive background as your CEO did, and how should they found, find find uh, these technical co-founders? Where should they uh, see I for think them? There are, I guess, it's this general question. Uh, I would apply the same sort of tactics for also early in- engineers. There are a set, so um, you know, technical ability. Uh, is the number one, you know, attribute that you should be looking for. And, you know, the your, your track record of solving, you know, hard problems, open big problems is something that you, you need to. There are a set of people who really, really want to be in a startup and just thrive in a, in a, in a, in a startup environment. And um, they are the kind of people who would uh, and see the, the, you know, the, of course, it's high risk, but the potential uh, of, a, you know, a startup succeeding um, in many, many different ways. You know, as you know, startup can succeed in many different ways and just thrive in a, in a startup environment. And these are the kind of people you really want to um, uh, look at. As you point out, the compensation packages for big companies, especially in the Bay Area, are just amazing. It's very hard to compete. Even those startups these days, they, you know, they pay reasonably well. Uh, it's not, you know, gone are the days where they offer really small salaries. They offer reasonable salaries. Cannot be a match yeah. for, for big companies. I, I remember Google really throwing, you know, really, literally throwing money at people. It's, it's very hard to compete with that. So, but give a balance, you know, strike a yeah. balance between, you know, sort of, okay, you know, give a reasonable salary. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll not be, uh, you know, you'll not be, uh, you know, begging for money here. You'll be living well. I cannot match Google by any stretch of imagination, but, you have to you have to like the startup life, and I, w- I would balance. I'll give you a reasonable compensation, um, and honestly, this is one of the things that it's money well spent uh, early on. It, it you know, and you should factor it in you know sort of in um, in the uh, in the early days when when you're uh, sort of raising money. 
that you need to give people reasonable salaries to be able to have some peace of mind. They are taking a risk and, and they're the kind of people who want to and thrive in a startup environment, but you're re- giving them reasonable salaries that will let them get by reasonably enough. So that this is something that you know I, I would highly recommend. Um, of course, you have the sort of the kamikazes who are willing to, uh, you know, just, you know, manage to <laughs> usually single, you don't have families and all of that. And they are willing to go through, with, you know, by all means. Um, but um, expect that you have to, you know, plan for that properly when you when you're uh, when you're raising money. And I, I would I would I would think this is a, you know, a very important t- ticket item that you should account for. But look for people. So you're not going to attract people by compensation. That's not going to happen. You're going to really attract them by, number one, the idea, the idea itself. You know, they really have to, you know, you know, be bought into the idea itself and the vision. That's very, very important. The other thing is uh, they like the startup environment. The startup environment has many, many um, really cool aspects to it that, you know, it has its drawbacks too, but it has many aspects that some people find themselves shining in, in such an environment. The third thing is the team. Many of the people who actually joined wanted to work with me uh, or some of the folks who on the business side and product side wanted to work with David and Oma. So um, the, this is a very, very important thing. Uh, and, you know, it, having been, having worked at, you know, other companies and one of the things that I'm proud of is that I really, you know, um, you know had very good relationship ships with the with the team that I worked with to the extent that they really wanted to whenever I went wherever I went they wanted to it's like hey you know what are you doing you know uh, do you have openings I'd like to come and work again with you so building these relationships um, you know kind of pays off <laughs> they try and, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so the team that you create and and it and it's a it's a virtuous circle um, you bring one engineer he'll also bring you know he was probably my engineering manager somewhere They'll bring folks, and that that happened with us repeatedly. The early engineers we brought ended up bringing really, really smart and uh, very, uh, you know, people with great work ethic. So really focus on the quality and maintain a very, very high bar, especially at the beginning. Um, and don't, you know, people who are not interested in a startup, you know, you have to just pass on them because it's tough and hard, and you have you have to get people like minded who are willing to sort of stick it in and. Uh, and reward them, give them, uh, as I said, invest in their in their compensation early on, if you can, of course, within limits, and know that you cannot compete. But, you know, tell them, hey, you know, I'll make sure that you're, you're okay, don't worry. But, um, you know, you have to understand that being there and enjoying this, this sort of experience is part of the, is sort of part of the deal. And you're better off attracting people who are, who, who, who think like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here you nicely led this conversation to the fundraising process because you know to compensate especially for you as developers they're extremely expensive so you need to you you need to fundraise to for you know at least a couple people on your team full-time so let's talk about fundraising efforts of voicea were you a part of it as a cto or do you you know sit there and code 24 7 not even seeing investors how does this work yeah, no, I think, uh, of course, you know, sort of the business leaders are the ones that lead, uh, you know, so the initial contacts and, uh, but the early fundraisers, the presence of a technical, uh, you know, uh, representative is essential. It's very, very important. 
because this is when you're, you're you get asked the really critical questions like what do you you know what do you bring to the table what's 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 your unfair advantage if you will so and part of it has to be technical also the very early fund fundraising a big component in it is the team the founding team so mm-hmm. they really want to see you know who's that you know who's the who's the who's the technical leader of the of the of the founding team and you know you know what makes them believe that this guy can deliver you know uh, or solve this hard problem and deliver uh, solutions that haven't been delivered before you need to be able to speak to your background which is very important what what hard problems did you solve um, and right. uh, what do you you know what's in your past that shows that you can actually solve this hard problem and it's way you're way better off speaking to it you know yourself you're also going to find because you know the the people you're trying to raise funds from they have technical advisors um, and you need to be able to respond to that in a in a convincing way uh, so the early fundraisers definitely at least the CEO if not one of the early engineers as well have to have to be there afterwards um, you you know what what we did is that you know we followed the guidance uh, because it became you know it's time consuming and you know takes takes time and uh, sometimes it's just not necessary you know it's it's uh, really about you know uh, who's leading the investment or it's really about sort of business more more business basic questions where your presence is not needed uh, so early on it was very important also the early investors are key and important in the sense that they kind of uh, it's also again a, one of these you know virtuous circles. Um, many investors put money because they know that other investors did, certain investors did. So getting the big names at the beginning may be very, very useful. And the presence of a, of a technical leader is key. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, to, 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 to attest for the quality of the team and who they are and to answer technical questions that show what kind of advantage uh, that, that, that you have in solving the problem as a team. It's really great that you mentioned that uh, there's a big difference between the early fundraising and later stage fundraising, where at the early stage, basically, you need to bring all funding team because really investors care a lot about the team. So yeah, it's, so it's all about the team at the, at the very beginning. It's really about the team. Um, I wanted to follow up with you on this uh, short story that you told me in our pre-interview conversation, where you said that you actually used to pitch, you pitched once to Cisco yourself without your CEO being there. And uh, it went fun. Can you tell uh, all of us this story? Yeah, no, so not exactly. So what happened is we, yeah, we had this, uh, we, uh, we had this, uh, you know, uh, appointment, we, you know, secured appointment with, with Cisco on the premises to go and deliver, you know, make it, make a pitch. And, mm-hmm. um, and Omar had great contacts. And I happened to also, I've worked with one of the gentlemen in the business development who, you know, gave, gave a word, you know, for, for me there. It was, you know, great. And I was given the task of preparing the technical uh, presentation and mm-hmm. part of the presentation, which I worked very hard on the weekend, put as many, you know, icons and, you know, moving <laughs> cartoons and everything, you know. So this lesson number one, don't, don't let your <laughs> engineers make presentations without without being reviewed by the, <laughs> you know, by, by the product people and, you know, the, you know, the, the business leaders later on, uh, yeah. we, we engineers, you know, you know, we think, we think differently. So anyways, um, I was there. It was not one of my best days for some reason. I was late. 
I lost my way to the building. Cisco has a very complicated sort of uh, campus map. Uh, Fortunately, my GPS did not respond well. I was late. Uh, they were looking for me, and I'm usually not. I'm usually very early and very punctual. So they were really alarmed. Um, and I went there, and I, you know, I don't know what's. You know, I was off. I, I didn't even g- give a good presentation, um, and it was not. Uh, it was not uh, <laughs> the best of presentations. To the extent that Omar and David later called me on our way back and saying, hey, you know, they'll definitely not invest, but let's learn something. Let's <laughs> learn something from this day. You know, what did we do wrong? And I was like, I felt really bad. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> they did invest and, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, and they ended up acquiring us. And, the, you know, so the rest is history. And they, they invested in the seed round, they invested in the, uh, in the uh, Series A round and, uh we had very good relationship. They were one of the early companies that um, that we did integrations with as, as a conference provider, um, and uh, and yeah, they, they acquired it. So it was it was very interesting. I'm not, and I, in, by, by no means, I'm not encouraging people to be you know relaxed. At, but um, uh, the, the lessons there is yeah, I mean, sort of make sure you're you know. Uh, you, you get you get everyone to you have a coherent presentation. Um, you know it's much more important than you know than than having lots of material there. Uh, coherent, you know, something that delivers uh, sort of a coherent story that is tied together. So don't don't do what I did, uh, but also <clears throat> try to. It turns out that what what really played well, you know, is that we we knew exactly um, what they were looking for, and you know. Despite all this mess, and you know, we what they were looking for was was there, and uh, they were looking really for someone to. They realized they need to acquire speech recognition technology, and they were looking for. And they had they had they didn't have a good experience with some of their initial uh, partnerships, so they were looking for one that that. And we, we're we're kind of lucky. Um, at, at the time, and I think maybe until now, there are few providers. Uh, um, some of them are really big that are that make it prohibitive for the likes of Cisco to to integrate with like Google. It would be really weird if if Cisco sends their you know, data to Google or something like that, or you know it's prohibitive. Um, they're looking for a smaller sort of company, um, and yeah, and we you know that that despite all this mess, we that was present in our presentation. And, and you know we 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 were we looked good. So no, exactly. Actually, you're going to be presenting to many people. Some of them are corporate investors. Some of them are VCs. Um, for the corporate, corporate investors, at least, they they'd be looking for something. For example, we found out that Microsoft is looking for someone who builds on their platforms rather mm-hmm. than someone and a technology that they would acquire later. No, they want to, they want a company that would. Um, sort of enrich their environments and use their technology. And, you know, it's a very different way of thinking. Um, and uh, like I said, Cisco is looking for a particular technology. So try as much as you can, do your do your homework, um, and and perhaps through conversations with the sort of the business development people that, that maybe arrange the, the, the meetings to know exactly what are the key points, um, you know, that, that they are looking for in startup. That, that is very, that's very important. Especially with that's very yeah, especially with corp- yeah. corporate corporate investors, yeah. 
Great. So that's that's very interesting thing that you touched on, which is corporate investing. And we're running out of time, so I'll be I'll try to go over this quick. Mm-hmm. But how do you manage to get Cisco investing you on the seed round? Uh, it was it, uh, um, one of the one of the early VCs had you know had contacts with them, and mm-hmm. honestly, they were looking around. They were you know they were looking for people with with this sort of vision um, that helped too. And uh, we had had recommendation i just happened to have this you know the point of actually the people that you work with in the past and you know your good relationship with them that will pay off so having a good network of people um you know who can uh, sort of give a good word about you and it's like yeah i know this person i work with him he's, he's the real deal uh, actually i'm okay I'm, I'm you know okay a little you know i'll break a little bit um i had known satya uh, Nadella, when he was running Bing, um, he's the one who promoted me to a partner. I've known him. So when the folks were presenting to Microsoft, I was not around. He saw my name. He said, "Yeah, this guy's legit. You know, I've worked with him before." And that was cool. That was, you know, one of the factors that uh, one of the reasons that my, you know, early on the M- M12 um, folks invested in, in us. So these relationships, and you know, ha- you know having a good reputation in the community through your past work and your good relationships with the people who end up being decision makers in these corporations that plays a big role in the um, in the big scheme of things right that's really important here as we nearly run out of time we'll just go quickly towards what do founders or core founders of startups do once their company gets acquired so do you personally invest in startups uh, as an angel investor uh, I do. I'm very selective, um, but I, I do. And I also try to, uh, you know, advise as much as I can, especially mm-hmm. for the folks who are uh, sort of who do stuff in the AI space um, uh, the, you know, or are building uh, really new cool technologies that are, uh, you know, promised to provide a very innovative solution in a particular area like motion detection and and stuff like that uh very you know early stuff so i'm i'm I, i'm personally i'm geared towards uh, startups that are more uh, technology sort of based that you know building a novel technology trying to solve an, uh, an existing problem in a very in a very novel way um and uh i focus more on advising them and some sometimes i i, I actually uh, invest but i i invest um, many hours actually in, in advising them early on Officially and unofficially. Yeah, and officially and and unofficially. That's really interesting. So you mentioned officially and unofficially. So officially you actually get compensated for your advisory work, right? So with stock options or... Yeah, Yeah, mainly through stock. Very rarely. Yes, in fact, almost all of of it through actually. Yeah, shares. Early shares. And what's the normal amount of compensation that you get? So uh, can you give me like a range of what you get for your advisory work at those startups? It really, it really depends. Um, there's not a. It really depends on who, who, who they are, and uh, uh, but usually it's actually not. Um, and, and actually, what's what stage uh, you're you're in? If you're very early, still in the conversations, it ends up being sort of significant. But it's usually. I mean, it's it's the single digit. It's not. It's not. Uh, if not even, you know, definitely like two or three percent, something like that. Nothing, nothing big, nothing huge. So, but but when you say uh, somewhat significant, do you mean that? uh, So, a lot of my listeners are early stage, and 
sometimes I get the the question about like what's what's normal compensation for an advisor that I should offer, and I usually respond it should be within one percent dedicated to all of your advisors, which means that each advisor might get I don't know point three percent. Does that is that something normal or is it am I undervaluing advisors? In my opinion, a little undervaluing, especially if it's a very early stage, uh, especially if it's going to be really critical and. Some of the advisors, I mean, one of the value, you know, for, not not for all of them, but some of which having their name on your advisory board is a, is very important. You know, plays a big role mm-hmm. to know that blah blah blah. So, um, if that's the case too, I think you need maybe to inch it a little bit uh, higher. Uh, but it's it's subject to negotiation uh, uh, as well. And many, I don't know, and I've seen not, not just me but other people. Uh, Advisors do that because they, you know, they, they just want they want these people to succeed, or they believe in the idea, and you know, they like it so much rather than the actual sort of amount um, of the compensation. So many of them, they they will be very mm-hmm. lenient too. So I would say it's a little higher than what you advise, but not 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 by much. Yeah, not by much. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, at least that was close. You know, I tried my best. Uh, I failed just a little bit, but. In general, I was about right. So <laughs> I'll definitely include that in my further advices that I give to founders. Nice. But we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot of course. Uh, for your advice, uh, for, your, for your expertise in this field and for telling how to build, uh, to how to find those co-founders at first because it's it's really tough for, for many founders to do to find co-founders. So I think this episode is really important in terms of finding a co-founder. And also I like the point that you mentioned about the... Um, fundraising through um, corporate investors because very few actually consider that. I hope to bring a, as a corporate investor one day on my podcast because I've never done it before. And it, it's really interesting to hear those stories, I think. So um, thanks a lot and stay safe there. Thank you. Uh, same to you. Please stay safe and healthy. Thanks very much.